Good morning. We are so glad that you could be at Central Church today. I hope you've had a great week. We are in the last of a series of sermons where we're reimagining uh, what God might have for us. It's really, it's, you know, our prayer has always been that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done in Flint as it is in heaven. And we've, we've narrowed that down to say, really what we're trying to do is connect people to Jesus. And the reason we're doing that is we believe that Jesus changes everything and that we are better together and our purpose is to be the best neighbors we can possibly be. So we're using Jonah to help us get there. All right, if you're just new, if this is your first Sunday, if you're just joining us for the first time, let me give you the the Reader's Digest version. In Jonah chapter one, God comes to Jonah, says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, no thanks, I'd rather go to Tarshish. Nineveh is modern day Mosul, Iraq, and Tarshish is modern day coast of Spain. Jonah went the exact opposite direction. Hopped on a boat, started to leave. Big storm came up. They determined that Jonah was the reason for the storm. The reluctant sailors tossed him overboard and a great big fish came and swallowed Jonah up. Chapter one. Chapter two is far less exciting than chapter one because he's in the belly of this great big fish. There he realizes that he's in trouble. He acknowledges that he's the reason for his trouble and he recognizes and, 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 and understands that God is the, is the way out of his trouble. And sure enough, he comes to that realization and, and the great fish, you know, burps Jonah up on the dry land. He goes to Nineveh after all, preaches a whale of a sermon, tells them they got 40 days or God's going to kaboom. And the whole town, everybody, the entire city, even the king, takes off his royal robes, removes himself from the throne, sits down in the dust, and repents. God is gracious. God is forgiving and relents his his threat to destroy the city in 40 days. And Jonah, verse 1, is mad. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. Does Jonah have a right to be angry? I mean, this should be the greatest day of his life. Right? If if you're a preacher and you preach a sermon and 120,000 people turn, you know, that... You'd be telling and retelling that story forever. Ministerial speaking, you know, that he'd say 120,000 people came to know the Lord. And then two years later, 140,000 people came to the Lord. And then, you know, ministerial speaking, it is probably a quarter of a million people in that town. They all came to know Jesus. But he's not, he's angry. Have you known people angry with God? Generally, most generally, the people that I've known that are angry at God are because God did not do something that they wished he would have done. You know, God did not intervene. Terrible, traumatic situation, God did not intervene. A sickness, a diagnosis, God did not intervene. A terrible, evil person uh, uh, committing some sort of er uh, horrible crime did not intervene. They're mad at God. God, why didn't you intervene? Why didn't you step in? Why, you could have stopped it. Why didn't you stop it? That's usually why people are angry at God. But in this case, God did intervene. There was this evil, horrible, rotten people, the Ninevites. Nahum has told us they're into witchcraft. They're into prostitution. They're into all sorts of things, anti-God. God does intervene. The entire city, from the greatest to the least, come to know God Almighty. And Jonah is... Jonah seeing this is very wrong, and he became angry. Should jo- 
So Jonah preaches this message. Is a, when, a, when, a, when an artist is done and people adore his work, is, does he shout, oh, you terrible people? When, when a singer sings a wonderful song, does she throw a temper tantrum when people give their a standing ovation? Should Jonah, should Jonah, after preaching this wonderful sermon, people turn to God Almighty, heed his message? Should he be angry? Shouldn't he have said something, gone home and said, baby, I think I'm the greatest evangelist in the whole world. 120,000 people. Or maybe gone on a book tour or, or a speaking tour or at least gone back to Nineveh and just started high-fiving everybody he could meet. Man, you should be dead, you should be dead, you should be dead, 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 dead. But instead, Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry. Why was Jonah so angry? Jonah is from the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, um, there was a civil war after Solomon died. The nation of Israel split into two. The northern kingdom is called Israel. The southern kingdom is called Judah. The northern kingdom uh, had lousy king after lousy king after lousy king after lousy king, mostly lousy kings, very few good kings, went far away from God. Judah down south didn't do much better, a little better, but not much better. But the northern kingdom totally, totally, totally uh, be, just went away from God. In the year 721, these Ninevites, these Assyrians, are going to come in and wipe out the northern kingdom. Most Bible scholars think that Jonah's writing about uh, 50 years prior to that. So the people of Israel, they could see the writing on the wall. They knew this great, powerful nation. Assyria at the time was the world's superpower. Little Israel, half of what it used to have been, is not very powerful at all. They'd gone against God, gone against God, gone against God. They're very weak. They could see this big nation above them and what they'd been doing to all these other countries. So everyone hated Nineveh. Jonah hated Nineveh, and everyone he, he knew hated the Assyrians and the Ninevites. And so maybe, maybe, maybe even in the belly of the whale, when he knew that God was calling him to go to Nineveh, maybe he's thinking, all right, I know the deal. I'll go and tell them they got uh, 40 days to repent. And of course, they're not going to repent because they're dirty, rotten, stinking Ninevites. But I'll tell them because God wants me to tell them. And then I'm going to sit back and watch the fireworks, baby. What a show. But it didn't happen that way didn't happen that way at all. Everybody, even the king, they all repented. And Jonah, Jonah is mad. It's crazy, really, when you think about it. Jonah, who had disobeyed God, right? God said, go to Nineveh. He said, no thanks, I'm going to Tarshish. Jonah, who disobeyed God, is mad about the people who did obey God. That's kind of crazy. It's a double standard. Oh, we should be used to that. You all know, we all know preachers who sometimes preach about this evil or that evil only later to be found out to have been participating in whatever evil they're preaching against. Politicians talk back and forth. People, you know, people who say one thing, do another thing. That's what's going on here. It's interesting, though. Jonah, when, when he's in the belly of the fish, he uses the, the name Yahweh to refer to God, a personal name that, that God had given uh, Moses way back in Exodus. He doesn't use it in chapter 3, but then when we get to chapter 4, he uses it again, almost in a passive-aggressive way. 
Oh, I know you, verse 2. Oh, I know you, you know. You're, you're gracious, you're loving, you're blah, 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 blah. And he's, and he's quoting what Moses said about God. And he's trying to bring it around to God and saying, well, listen, you gave that name to Moses to say that you were going to, to be with Israel and that you were going to protect her from its enemies. And now you're going to go about saving our enemies? No, what the Ninevites need is justice, not mercy, not compassion. They need justice. It sounds a little bit like, sounds a little bit like the older brother in the prodigal son story. Remember the older brother? Prodigal son goes out, squanders the, the inheritance, finally comes to his senses, comes back to his dad, penniless. And when his dad sees him from a far away off, remember the story goes, the dad throws a party, gives him a ring, kills the fatted calf. And the brother's all mad. You killed the fatted calf. You didn't kill the fatted calf for me. I don't know what the big deal was about the fatted calf, but he wanted one. Justice. He needs justice, not mercy. Here's just a little Bible insight. The Bible is pretty clear on this. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But thanks be to God. His grace and mercy comes. Grace is not fair. Grace is the opposite of fair. fair justice is fair. What I deserve is that. Grace is is. is is not fair. Grace is God's loving us even when we don't deserve it. Grace is reaching out to us even when we've run away from him. Jonah is mad because justice isn't coming. Instead, God offers mercy and grace. Really what's going on here? God shows the enemies of Israel grace and mercy. And Jonah is tied not to, not to God Almighty's grace and mercy. What is he tied to? Where is his allegiance? It's back to the sinful nation of Israel. We need to be careful whenever our allegiance is not to God Almighty. And if our allegiance comes to, if our allegiance is to anything, anything but God Almighty, we're in danger. We can, we, can, we can certainly uh, love other things and have allegiances to other things, but our top allegiance, our number one allegiance, our forefront, our goal, our center, our rock must be God Almighty. And for Jonah, it wasn't. It was this sinful, sinful, probably not much better, maybe even worse, than the Ninevites. And yet he was mad because God was siding with them and not these sinful people from which he came. Does that make sense? Well, he's so mad. He says at the end of of verse 3, now take my life. He's probably thinking he might go home, back to Israel, and they'd they'd say, hey, what you do? I just had this great revival. I was in in Nineveh. You know, Nineveh had 120,000 people. You were in where? I, I was in Nineveh, had this great revival. You were in Nineveh? How many Ninevites did you kill? Well, I didn't kill any. What I did was I told them that they had 40 days and God was going to zap them, but then God didn't zap them. 
Well, Mr. Evangelist Benedict Arnold, thank you very much. Just take my life. Be better for me just to be dead, is what he says. And God, God's so patient with us, right? Verse 5. Is it right? Is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah doesn't even answer God, notice. Verse 5, Jonah gone out, sat down at the place east of the city. Most generally in Scripture, here's a little Bible tip. When someone goes east, when they're having communication with God and they go east, that's generally bad. That's generally a place of disobedience. Adam and Eve, when they left Eden, they went east, east of Eden. Here, he's going east, east of the city, generally bad. And he sat down, made himself a shelter, and in shade, waited to see what would happen to the city. What does he think is going to happen to the city? Why would he even build this? God has already said he's not sending fireworks. Does Jonah think that somehow he has convinced God Almighty, you know what, you're right, Jonah, I ought to zap these people anyway. He sits down, waits to see what's going to... So, again, God provides this leafy plant, and Jonah's all happy, and then God provides a worm, eats the plant, kills the plant, sun comes out, scorching heat... And he, verse, the end of verse 8, he wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to, to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is. I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. Is anybody getting sick of Jonah by now? And God said, it's a plant, Jonah. We're talking about a plant. It's a plant. Plant. You're upset about, you're ready to die because of a plant? Are you kidding me? Uh, let me digress just for a second. Sometimes God takes things, use things, this case a plant and a leaf and a worm and a sun and a scorching heat, all to get us into the place where we can best hear from him. Sometimes he takes those things that at the moment we view as negative things. Sometimes he takes things, situations that at the time we think are or whatever, where God is using that instance, that circumstance to shape us, mold us into the person he wants us to be. Does that make sense? That's why we, that's why we as a church carve out these ne- those four days starting next Sunday for spiritual renewal. It's saying we're wanting to carve this out, not that it's a horrible experience, not a worm, not a leaf, not a scorching heat, but a time when God can shape us, mold us into the people he wants us to be. And so that's why it's important to carve out that time, why it's important to, you know, get yourself ready, why it's important to, you know, plan on being here, why it's important to, you know, remove any distractions and get in the place, sing when we sing and, and listen when, we're, when, we're, when Dr. Boone is speaking and make a deal with God. God, if you want to speak to me and move in me, then I will, I, will, I will use an altar. And God, I'll make you a second deal. I'm not going to leave the altar until we're, we've got whatever that deal is is settled. All right, back to Jonah. It's a plant, Jonah! How many times does God say something similar to us when we get our focus on things rather than the things of God? The other day, somebody dinged my truck in a parking lot. (sighs) Don't you hate... They didn't leave a note. They didn't leave... Sorry, mister. I bumpy trucky, you know... It's not a big deal. It's not a big mark. It's not, you know, ah, uh, Linda, they bumped my truck. 
I'll get it fixed. God was saying, Rob, you're so upset about that? When so many people are beaten and bruised all around you? The other day I was, I was uh, uh, poured my breakfast of champion uh, Cocoa Puffs, right? And I got the, the milk out and I poured the, the milk was lumpy, 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 lumpy milk. You do not want lumpy milk going on your Cocoa Puffs. I had two more days before the expiration date, I want you to know. It wasn't like, you know, this was milk from August. No, I had two more days. Lump, lump, lump. I said, Carla, lump, lump, lump. And I, I handed it to her. I didn't want to smell it. She smelled it. Ah! Oh, I'm so mad. Rob, you're mad about this? It's a bowl of Cocoa Puffs are crying out loud. People are starving. Probably this wouldn't even help them. People are starving. It's Cocoa Puffs. This week we're at pastor's retreat, you know, up in Traverse City. Uh, it rained every stinking day. Rain, 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 rain. Rob, you're mad about a few raindrops when people down in Florida are, are dealing with a hurricane? Are you kidding me? We get so wrapped up in things. We get so focused on, on our deal when God's got something bigger or there's other things happening that are way more important. A plant, Jonah? You can't get over a plant. And then he says that verse 11, the powerful verse, should I not have concern for this great city of Nineveh, which there are more than 120,000 people who are so dumb they cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Jonah, what's important here? Look at these people. I wonder if God comes to us and says the same thing. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? Look at the people around you. Notice who they are. There's not, that's the end of the book. There's not a chapter five where Jonah says, you're right, God, I've been a big dope. There should be, I wish there was, but there isn't. We're just left to wonder, what does Jonah do with this knowledge? God just says, shouldn't I be more concerned? I wanted Jonah to say, yeah, 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 you're right. But he never did. We don't know. Maybe he did. And I guess our question for us is, what, what will the next chapters be for us? We've been reimagining. We've been revisiting. We're, 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 we're examining how we do things, why we do things, and what's important. And what will be the next chapters for Central Church? What will be the next chapters in your life? This week, uh, you know, I send out a little email on, on Thursdays, and a lot of times I put it on my blog. And this week, it was, I said, you know, we can wish, we can wish, 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 wish for this, wish for that, wish for a better world. But really, uh, we need to be praying, 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 and then after praying, not just stop at praying, but then, but then working to see those prayers become realized. And I ended that whole thing with the passage from James chapter 2 when James writes, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace and keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Jonah is much more than a fish story. It's a tremendous book that reminds us that our yes to God means, means yes, God, I want to be shaped by you. I want to be molded by you. I want to see the things that you see. I want to care about the things that you care about. I want to be the person that partners with you in seeing the transformation of the, of the community in which I live.
or the community in which you send me to, in Jonah's case. We've got a great story that I want you to see about a couple in our church. They've been a part of our church for many, many years. And they are making a difference for Jesus in the community in which they live. Check out this story. I'm Don Benvenuti, and this is my wife, Karen. And uh, we've been coming to Central for over 47 years. We live in the Swartz Creek area over by Linden and Hill, and it's uh, called Common Square. A couple of years ago, we decided to have a pizza party for our neighbors, and, and it was a, a, a success. And then COVID set in. So uh, we had to take a break for a couple of years, but we started again this last July, and, and it was a, a very nice event. During COVID, the Lord really put it on my heart one day that I should open up our, our driveway and just have a driveway coffee because a lot of the women would meet once a month and they would go out for lunch and they weren't able to do anything. And, you know, everybody was really depressed. And I said to Don, uh, this is what we're going to do. So we went out and we invited everybody and they came with their chairs, they wore their masks. We had games, we had prizes. It was just, I was more blessed than what what they were, I think, because it was just, I was doing what God had, had asked me to do. One thing, when we go to Florida, uh, a few years back we met this young man, he was a maintenance man, and uh, you could see he was troubled and having problems, but uh, he, he took a liking to us, and so uh, when we were getting ready to leave, uh, he come over to say goodbye, and we said, uh, his name was Paul, we said, Paul, is it okay if we pray for you? And he said, sure. I call him my prodigal stepson. He's rough around the edges, but he's got a good heart. And uh, we've been staying in contact with him, and he tells us, I'm looking forward to when you come down. And we, we have faith in him and faith in the Lord that he'll, he'll come around. There's been times when I would get up in the morning and I'd say, God, this is your day. Lead me today. I will do anything you want me to do today. There was one time down in Florida, there was, a, there was a young man sleeping in his car. And I said to Don, I feel like we, we need to go and see if he's okay. And he said, oh, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. And I knocked on his window and he was, he was totally depressed. He had lost both of his parents, he had lost his job. He was a college professor, young. You just know you know because you prayed for God to show you. And if you're not obedient, you won't get the blessing. Someone else will be the blessing. You won't get it. And I want to be blessed, so I want to obey God. I was out walking one day, and uh, the Lord just impressed on me about a certain neighbor. And I thought, well, no, I'm not going to go there. I really feel stupid asking her if everything's all right. but. I took her over some flowers and I said, you know, you've really been on my heart. I said, God's really been speaking to me. And is, is everything okay? And, yeah, everything's fine. So we did we did some little small talk and I said, well, okay. I said, well, I feel kind of crazy, but I'm, I'm sorry, but I just really felt West, really felt led to come over here. So she followed me out the door and she followed me out and closed the door behind her and just started sobbing and started to tell me, no, things are not all right. So it's just important just to be there. And 
and to be Jesus to somebody, be his hands and feet when God puts that on your heart. Don't ever be afraid to uh, ask somebody if it's okay to pray with them because you never know what situation they're in and you don't know how that could change your life. You're showing them love that Jesus showed us. We want to connect people to Jesus. We pray every Sunday that God's will would be done and His kingdom would come right here as it is in heaven. We believe that Jesus wants to answer that prayer. And the way He's going to do that is using people like you and me.